How are we all doing this morning? You guys excited? Are you guys excited for today? Michigan Lions playing? No. <laughs> Detroit Lions, I know. <laughs> I, I told Janine at work because she doesn't like, she, she watches sports with me, but she doesn't really know the team. So I was like, just tell all your coworkers you're going for the Michigan Lions today, right? <laughs> so, so it's kind of true, right? In Michigan. But uh, so, hey, we're, we're going to be in Timothy today. Uh, we're going to continue in this series. Um, and uh, there's a chunk of scripture we got to get to. And um, I, I just want you to know this is probably going to be one of the most practical uh, sermons, yet, uh, yes, practical, but a lot to chew on, okay? Because there are things that we can presently do, okay? Uh, but, like, for the younger folk, there are things, uh, there's one thing you could do, but also for the younger folk, uh, something you got to think about for the future, right? Um, and if you're a kid, and I'm not talking about just 13 years old, if your parents are still alive, you're a kid, uh, this is for you, right? This message is for you. Um, we're going to be talking about widows today. We're going to be talking about um, just honoring your family. And so here's an outline of what you're going to see today uh, within this scripture. And um, so the outline should be up there. Um, it's okay. Cool. Uh, what you'll see today is, is the first point that we're going to go through is respect and honor each other. All right. You're not going to see the exact wording of respect and honor, but the underlying message is there. Okay. It's in there. Uh, and then, it, it, you know, we're not going to get through the whole chapter today, but next, like two weeks from now, you're going to see that word honor. Honor your elders. Honor your master. All right. Um, honor your father and mother. And so, the second thing you're going to see today is take care of your immediate family. Uh, when I say Im your immediate family, I mean, I mean, I mean your, obviously your kids, right? But then your grandparents, right? And your parents. Uh, and, and then this last one where the church doesn't really talk much about this, uh, I don't think, um, at least J. Rowe, I, I don't think this is something we've truly experienced. But honoring true widows. Scripture defines what a true widow is, and we're going to define that together, all right? And so um, before I go any further, uh, because this can be sensitive, uh, this can defend you uh, in some sort of way, right? Um, and I understand there are, are women in here who have been abandoned, um, okay? And, and you might not fit that qualification of a true widow, uh, but I just want to encourage you guys, man. God loves you. God has not abandoned you. He's with you. Um, and so, and, and I'm just going to encourage you guys throughout this whole entire sermon. All right. Uh, so let me just pray for us. God, I thank you for J-Road. I thank you for the people here. I thank you for uh, the, the people just visiting. Um, Man, God, I, I pray we can, uh, we can learn together. Uh, at the same time, we could love together. We could put the gospel into action. And, and, and this is what this passage is, is really going to show us, how the gospel is practical and tangible, how we could do it. Right? It's not just words that we say, but it's actually things we can do with our hands um, and, and physically. 
mentally, emotionally. And so I, I just pray, Lord, um, you convict us, you encourage us, and um, I pray that we'll, we'll be pleasing to you throughout this whole entire sermon and after. And um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the first point, right, first point today is respect and honor each other. Right, respect and honor each other. In verse 1, in 1 Timothy 5, uh, just the first two verses, he says this, Do not rebuke an older man, right, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Right? Do not rebuke an older man, he says. This is Paul talking to a young pastor who's uh, leading this, this church uh, in Ephesus back in the day, right? And he's saying, Timothy, I know you're young, uh, but I just want to remind you. I want to remind you and I want you to relay this message to others within the church, right? Do not rebuke an older man, okay? Rather, encourage him as you would your dad. In a perfect world, in a perfect family, the son is pumping up the dad. You ever see those videos when... Um, a dad is doing something and a kid, their kid says, go daddy, right? You could just tell that that dad doesn't care about anything else but saying, thank you, thank you, son. Thank you, daughter. You're pumping me up, right? He says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers in a perfect world, right? In a perfect family, right? We're seeing brothers coming alongside each other, Right? Um, not just making fun of each other, right? Uh, not being jerks to each other, not that type of language, but pouring out some things to each other. Right? I need help with this right now, right? Um, I, just need, I just need you to be with me right now, right? That, that happens in brotherhood. You're there for each other, right? Uh, and then older women as mothers, right? Guys, like, treat your mother well. <laughs> and this is what, in, in a perfect world, every son, every daughter is treating their mother like a queen. Right? Not, not saying that your mother is like your God, but you're treating your mother well. Now, you're not just opening a door for her. You're not just doing, like, 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 like gentlemanly things. Sorry, I can't say that word right now. Um, but you're, you're, you're trying to think of other ways of, like, how you could, like, bless your mom, right? Because she's done so much. She brought you into this world. Your dad didn't. She did. She did the hard work, right? Um, and this other part, right? Younger women as sisters in all purity. Younger women in, as Sisters in all purity. I can't, I can't help but think, right? Um, you know, we were at, uh, there was this youth convention we went to a few years back, and there were so many free hug kids out there. They had signs saying, free hug. And all I saw was, like, these girls giving these guys free hugs. And in my mind, I'm just saying, bro, you guys are creeps, right? Why do you want a free hug? Like, what, what type of attention do you want, right? That's not protecting your sister in all purity, right? And so what I actually did, I went to the, up to those guys and said, stop asking girls for free hugs. You want to hug a dude, that's up to you, but don't be hugging my students, right? This is that idea of honor and respect, and there's a protection within the family where you just see it. Like, man, this family looks out for each other. And um, 
it's kind of like the idea of like when you see a veteran on the street, right? You, there's some respect and honor because they're a veteran of war. Whether they went to war or not, they, they spent some years uh, in service and sacrificed some time with their family. And so we honor them and respect them, right? It's the same thing Paul is asking us, right? When we see uh, someone with gray hair, right? Maybe someone with no hair. Who knows, right? Um, right so if we, we see this, these older people of the faith, right, we give them that respect. We might not know them. Right? We have, might not have never talked to them, but there is an, a re- mutual respect that we should already give. There's a posture of being humble and saying, you probably have so much you could teach me. Right? It, it doesn't mean you can't correct an older person, right? but there's a respectful, a tender, and a compassionate way to do so. So um, when I was 18, um, I'm 34 now, uh, and so I had I w- my first internship in ministry was when I was 18. I grew up in a Filipino home. All right, uh, if you know much about just Asian culture, honor is a big deal, right? Super loving. Uh, there's a big loving community. It's all surrounded by food and family, right? It's very tight knit, right? But the moment disrespect happens, it's very unforgiving. Right? The moment you do not honor someone, you feel that you dishonored someone. Right? Here, I just want to give you a picture, too. Um, when Janine and I go to a Christmas party in Jersey and, and like, all the aunties and uncles are there, uh, there is this sign that we have to do in Asian, within the Filipino culture where we take the hand of an older person, whether we know them or not, and we put their hand to the head. And it's out of respect and honor, right? Um, and if you don't do that, you really feel it. They go through a different way and say, they talk to my mom and say, your son didn't do this, <laughs> right? I'm like, man, you snitch, right? Um, <laughs> but they're just, they're just high. Like, they take the honor thing so far uh, where it becomes unforgiving. But so my first internship was with an all-Filipino church, and... Um, I started going to school for ministry. I started to get some knowledge. I started to become the the best um, pastor ever, so I knew everything, right? I know more than Jim, more than whoever planted this church, Justin, right? More than all the elders. I knew everything because I went to school, right? I went to Bible school of all schools, right? Pays you 20,000 a year, Um, but, (laughs) right, I, I went to... Bible school of all things, and I started, my head started to get big. I'm like, wow, I'm learning so much, so much. And so during my internship, I was invited to a meeting, um, to an all-pastor meeting. Uh, I was with the staff at the church I was at, um, and they noticed, like, I started getting mad more and more throughout the, throughout the internship. Like, they started to notice, like, I was speaking up a little more. And one meeting, um, I just spoke up. I spoke up with no boundaries. There was no boundaries, and I said, we're doing this wrong. I used my finger, I said, you're not preaching the gospel. I think you're preaching a different gospel, right? 18-year-old kid saying this to 40-year-old men. I could have been right. I think I still am right. No, I'm kidding, right? I look back, I was, I was very wrong. 
Right? I look back at that um, and how disrespectful I was in that moment. Right? Whether I was right or wrong, right? Uh, I was just disrespectful. My approach was wrong. My posture was wrong, right? I didn't come with a heart of, hey, how can I love on these dudes right now? How can I share my words in love right now? Right? I was very dishonoring. In a perfect world, right, young men can correct other men and just say, hey, like, you, you, like, you can't say that. Like, I know you, you grew up in the late 1900s, right? Uh, but um, this word nowadays, in the 20th century, you can't say that. You're going to get in trouble. Right? There, there's ways you could, you could speak to older people where, like, you could just kind of warn them uh, and then it's up to them, right? But you can't be like, oh, you're wrong, right? They're gonna, there's going to be this dishonor this, this and disrespectfulness where we hurt not just the older people, the vets of the faith, um, but also you hurt the Lord in dishonoring the vet- veterans of the faith. And so younger dudes, right, just, just be careful in how you speak. It's okay to correct, but be careful, um, man, I, I lost that internship because of how dishonoring I was. That happens, right? And so respect and honor one another. And this, that's why Paul says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him. As you would a father, younger men as brothers, uh, older men as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Very simple. Just respect each other. Honor each other. Same thing goes for the older men down, right? You don't got to look down on, on a younger dude who has no experience. They have no experience, so teach them. Disciple them. Be with them, right? So, second point. <clears throat> second point is, sorry, I got to flip here. Um, Second point says this, right? Take care of your immediate family. Take care of your immediate family. Um, we're kind of going to read some scripture, right, that, that talks about a widow, but we're going to focus on this main point of taking care of your immediate family first. So in verse 3, he says this, honor widows who are truly widows, right? The scripture does define what a true widow, is, a true widow is, Right? Honor widows who are truly widows, right? But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them, the kids, the grandkids included, all right, first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God, right? If your husband, uh, if your husband dies, okay, and you got kids who are capable right, of working, you know whose job it is, right, to, to take care of you? It's the kids. Right? You might not have grandkids. You're, if your kids have passed away and they had kids who were capable, your grandkids are to take care of you. Right? And this is what Scripture is saying, right? This is what Paul is saying, right? But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn how to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of the Lord. And for some of us, right, uh, you're in this right now. Your, your mom uh, is not capable of taking care of herself, right? 
your dad um, is not capable of, of working anymore, right? He's stumbling over. You know whose job it is to take care of them? It's yours. I know that, that sounds like that's, that it's, a, it's a scary thing, right? And, and as, as a younger kid, um, right, my parents would say this to me and say, like, hey, I just want you to know, like, when we get older, you're, you got to start thinking about us. You got to start thinking about us. You got to start thinking about ways you could take care of us. And so uh, Janine and I made plans, right? I'm most like, we're mostly going to take Janine's mom and my sister going to take uh, my parents, right? There, there's plans you just start coming up with, right? And you guys are in this where uh, some of us are in this or are not in this, and we have not prepared for how we could take care of our parents. And I just want you to see that last phrase, man. He says, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. Taking care of your parents is pleasing, and not only honoring to them, but it's also pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Guys, if we don't provide for our parents, right, if we don't provide for our immediate family, here's what Paul says in verse 8, right? I, I'm, we're going to skip, skip down there just to lump it in. Uh, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for the members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You do not provide for your immediate family? What does Scripture say? You, you're not even on the same level of an unbeliever, but you're worse. I don't know what's worse than an unbeliever. Right? I, I'm not sure the exact term of those things, but Paul is saying, dude, unbelievers provide for the families, and you're not. You ever meet a parent? You ever meet a dad who's not providing for their kids? Who looks at child um, support, child support because of their decision to get divorced, right? Their mistake. Right? And they look at child support and they say, why am I paying this? You're paying it to provide for your family. Idiot. Sorry. Right? That, that, that's what you're doing. The fact that the law has to, the, the government has to show you that, shows you where your heart is, shows you your belief of what your responsibility is. Man, I can't imagine, man... Like, there's just such a high calling to be a parent. You provide for your household. Because if you do not, you're denying the faith that you have in Christ. You could have all the knowledge of Christ, but if you do not do this one thing, right? Paul said, you're, you're denying the faith. What are you doing? I don't even know what to call you. You're, you're worse than an unbeliever. Um, Janine and I, you know, um, no, parenting is becoming real for us. Janine is currently six months pre- or going to six months pregnant, right? And so it, it's, it's just getting real, right? We're, we're like we have monthly financial um, meetings because it's like, oh, this is real. Like, uh, like I was looking at, um, what do you call those things, nursery things or child? What do you, daycares, daycares, right? <laughs> I was looking at daycares. I'm like, 900 bucks a month. Oh, my gosh. Right? I'm like, 900 bucks a month. Where are we getting that, right? Um, like, it's, it's just crazy. We're just thinking about those things. And obviously, um, 
like, there, just anything's on the table. Just, all right, what, what are some things we could do? And so we met with a financial advisor, a buddy of ours, and he asked this question, right? He asked this question, what do you want to pass down to your daughter? What do, you, what do you want to pass down to her? Just straight up. Like, when you guys are old, what do you want to pass down to her? What's the number? Right? And so Janine and I were just talking, and we're like, well, let's, just say, let's just say 50K, right? Just, you know, it's a, a dummy, dummy thing. Uh, you know, it might pay for some college, might help with a down payment, right, one day. Just to set her up for success, right? And then as I was reading the scripture more and more, I'm like, no, it can't be 50K. It got to be more than that. It got to be way more than that. I don't know what that number is, but like my my our daughter one day, because Janine and I are going to get old. There's going to be a moment where we can no longer live without any assistance, and we're going to need our daughter. Right? We're going to need our daughter to take care of us. And so we were trying to think of what can we do to set up our daughter so that she doesn't have to just worry about the finances, where she could worry about, where she could take care of our emotional needs, physical needs, our mental needs, right? Where she can honor the Lord by what we pass down to her. And this is a challenge to parents. Like, what are you leaving for your kids so that when you get old, and when they're responsible to take care of you, right, how can you kind of ease that for them? How can you help them honor the Lord by what you pass down? And, and for the kids who are, who are kids here who, have, who are still in school, like, I want you guys got to start thinking about that. <laughs> it's not too early to start thinking about that. Think about your parents. Because one day... They're going to be gone, but in that time that they're gone, there's, it's, it might be a slow process, and how are you going to provide for them? Right? How are you going to take care of them? All of this, right, honoring elders, right, honoring each other, all leads to this, what, what is pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Man, um, parents, like, you, you could teach your kids these a practical step like hey you're gonna have to take care of us one day my mom says that all the time right you're gonna have to take care of us one day and so that third point um third point is, is where it kind of gets it can get very sensitive um honor true widows honor true widows in, in verse five it says this right he says she who is truly a widow is left all alone has set her hope on God and continues in supplication and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she is alive. Right? Command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially the members of his household, he has denied the faith and worse than an unbeliever. Guys, I, I want you to just, again, just see that, that verse in verse 8, right? That verse also applies to the church because the church is also a family right if we're not providing for widows true widows you know what scripture tells us about the church we have denied the faith we're not following scripture we're not following the gospel 
right? Yes, there's organizations to help widows and all that, but there's a certain point where those organizations can't help, and the church got to step in to help the widows within the congregation. And so um, in verse 9, he says, Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been a wife of one husband, and having a reputation of good works, if she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. So here are the qualifications of a true widow. Right? There are three qualifications of a true widow. Right? One, okay, who, who the church is called to help. Right? He says this, a woman who is left all alone, no more family left. It's just her. Right. And I, I don't know if we have this in J-Road. And if you are, you should speak up. You should ask for help, okay? Because we're, we're, we're called to do that. Number two, it says, dependent on the Lord, this woman, this older woman, has said, I'm now no longer seeking a husband. I'm not going to look for a husband to provide for me. It says, no one else but the Lord is going to provide for me. Number three, devoted to prayer, committed to serve the Lord and the people. Right? Widows, true widows, have said, I'm no longer looking for marriage. How can I serve the Lord? Right? They go to Gemini, they go to the elders and say, who needs prayer? Right? How can I help this person? How can I help whoever is, needs help within the church? And this is what a true widow is. No more family, dependent on the Lord, and is just devoted to how they can honor and just surrender themselves to the Lord. Look, um, there is an example of this in Scripture, too. Right? We see this in, in Luke 2, um, 36. He says, and there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was advancing years, right? Having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. In verse 37, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God, to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Right? This, this is what a true widow looks like. One who is just devoted and all out for the Lord. All the other stuff, all the other language that you see of like uh, in, verse six, in verse 6, but she who is self-indulgent is dead, right? Um, it, it's really talking about younger women uh, within the church where um, back in Paul's time, right, uh, along with uh, Timothy, the church, there was false teachers saying younger women can no, no longer remarry. If your husband's dead, they're dead. And you can't remarry. And so there was some strife like, hey, we're widows too. We're widows too. And so Paul had to define for uh, Timothy, like, this is what a true widow is. And whatever false teaching you are hearing, that at 21, year old, 21 years old, you can no longer get married, that's false. If you desire to get married, go get married. And that's what Paul is saying. Right? He's saying, young widows, go get married. Right? You got a lot we, under, we know your desires, and women, you guys probably know this more, right, uh, for younger women. You know their desires. You know their tendencies. You know uh, what they can fall into, but you know the desires, right? 
Um, and, and so that's what Paul is saying. It's like, go, go get married. Because if you don't, if you don't devote yourself in the Lord, you're going to become self-indulgent. You're going to become a busybody. You're going to become an idler. Like, go, go find a family and raise kids, right? Like, take care of your husband. I know, like, this might sound super, like, old school, but I'm just speaking what the Scripture is really showing us here. And, and so um, in these next few verses, right, we see some strong language, um, even stronger language that, that is going towards younger women, right? In verse 11, he says, but refuse to enroll younger widows for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry, right? Um, unfortunately, there was some young widows who were getting married and they married the wrong guy. Um, verse 12, and so incur condemnation before they have, for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers going from house to house. Uh, not only Id- idlers, but also gossips, busybodies saying what they should not. Right? So I would have younger widows marry and bear children, manage their household, and give ad- the adversary no uh, uh, occasion for slander, for some have already strayed after Satan. Right? And so that's the danger of being a young widow. And Paul is just showing us that. Like, if you desire to be married and you're a young woman and your husband has passed, like, go get married. There's no, there's really nothing else secretive about this. Right? Super practical. Paul says, honor and respect each other. Second thing, right, he says, take care of your immediate family because if you do not, you are denying the faith. If you're a kid and your parent is alive and they need your help, right, take care of them. If not, right, you have denied the faith. Right, and number three says honor true widows. Honor true widows. And as a church, we got to set ourselves up for that. Um, It's funny, you don't hear anything about men here. Um, I find that really funny because I'm like, huh, why, like, what if I'm a widow? Can, I, can men be widows? Is there a word for that? Widower? Right? Yeah, I'm there, I'm there. Yeah, but that, the word widower is not in there. Just <laughs> no, but, uh, like, you, you don't really see, like, this happening. Um, if anything, it, it puts more pressure on us as men to work our faces off, right, to be leaders, because one day there's going to be a ton of women who lose their husbands and they need provision. Right? And right, it's a call for us to give more to the church. And I'm, I'm not, there's not a call for you to tithe more so Jim and I get paid more and, and the staff doesn't get cut. No, this is a call right, to give more because at some point we're going to have to give that money to people who need it. Um, Man, I, I was trying to ask the question of how does this reflect the gospel? It obviously, it reflects the gospel in so many ways, right? When Jesus died on the cross for us, he provided everything that we ever needed. Through his death and resurrection, he didn't leave us as orphans. He left us with the Holy Spirit, right? To guide us, to speak to us. If you feel like you got nothing, who is Christ to you? Is he nothing? 
or is he everything? Yeah, I, I just want to encourage us as a church in, in James 1. Worship team, you could start coming up. Um, James 1, 27 is real clear. It's not going to be up on the screens. I'm going to read a ton of scripture, and I just want you to listen, whether your eyes are closed or not. But um, here's a call for us, right? Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. That's our call as a church, to visit orphans, right? Um, and the widows in their affliction. There's going to be a time where we got to step up as a church to do, to do that. Here's my encouragement to the widows, right? And maybe not the true widows, um, but to the widows who have been abandoned. Your husband's still alive, you're just abandoned. It stinks. I, I can't personally, obviously I don't understand that, but I, I can't imagine what widows who have been abandoned feel the anger right the bitterness that they feel i just want to encourage you with some scripture with some truth that the lord speaks over you in the psalms it says this in 146 man um the Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. I guess that's the term for non, someone who has denied the faith. They're wicked. Psalm 68, 5, it says, The father of the fatherless capital F, a father of the fatherless and the protector of widows is God. He has not abandoned you. He has not abandoned your kids. Isaiah 41.10, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. He's not forgotten about you. He is right there. He's right there. Psalm 142 says this, um, and this one's a bit different. In your bitterness, in your anger, um, the psalmist says this, pour out your complaint before him. You're angry, you're bitter. You don't feel like things are going the right way. The psalmist says, man, pour out your complaint before him. Pour it out. He wants to hear it. Jesus says this to his disciples in Matthew. He says, come to me all who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
Paul says this in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 9. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. Right? This, is, this is the Lord talking to Paul and talking to you. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. If you're a widow, if you have felt abandoned, praise the Lord for your weakness because the Lord will be glorified that much more and his grace is sufficient for you. And my encouragement to any kid, any, anyone who has abandoned their family, if you're here today, May I ask that you turn away from that, that you repent, that you ask for forgiveness from the Lord. You tell him, I'm sorry for not providing for my family. I have all this knowledge about you, but I'm not putting it into practice. I'll get a job. I'll contact my, my ex-wife, my wife, my mom, my dad, and I will say sorry to them also. Write them a letter and say, I will do whatever I can to be there for you. I am so sorry for not being there for you, but the Lord has changed my heart and I want to be different. And here's what Isaiah 55 says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he, he will abundantly pardon. If you have abandoned your family, man, I pray you turn back. You follow the Lord and you figure out ways where you could be there for your family. Last scripture, John 1, 9. 1 John 9, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all righteousness, all unrighteousness. If you have abandoned your family, I pray you turn to the Lord and know that he will pardon your sin. He is faithful and righteous to forgive. Let's pray. God, um, I do want to open up the floor. Um, I'm, uh, I, I just, if people need to come up, need prayer, uh, whatever that may be, God, I pray that they're not ashamed just to raise their hand or even come up to the, to, to the stage and just, just cry out to you. Um, but God, I do pray, Lord, that we take these practical steps of the gospel, and we do them. There's no secrets to what the message is about today. We got to respect and honor each other. Um, we got to take care of our families. We got to take care of the weak. We got to take care of the widows. And so, God, I, I just ask that. Um, yeah, we practice being the gospel to one another. Um, and during this song of 
if we just want to repent, whatever it may be, uh, may we not be ashamed just to, to say something, to be all before our knees, before the Lord, um, again, just coming up here, whatever it may be. Uh, thank you for giving us everything and providing everything for us through your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.